Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Well, just for a moment, would you just close your eyes? Come on, Jesus is here right now. Just for a moment, just close your eyes. God is here right now. The presence of the living God is in the place right now. He breaks bondages. He heals diseases. He raises the dead. He restores minds and hearts. We are here today to collectively celebrate that there is power in the name of Jesus. That no demon and no sin and no height, no depth, nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. There is power in this room right now to demolish strongholds. There's power in this room right now to heal sickness and disease. There's power in this room right now to restore your life, to make you new today. Come on, you're in the room today. We want to pray. Turn this into a prayer room for a moment. If you're in the room today, say, Ryan, I just need prayer. I just need the presence of God right now. I just need God right now. Just put your hand in the air. Someone's going to put their hand on you right now and just pray with you. Come on, be bold. Come on, just put your hand up high in the air right now. Come on, you're part of the church. Come on, we're all, we all know Jesus. Just grab somebody with their hands in the air right now. Put your hand on them. Begin to pray for them right now. Come on, in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, we come before you right now. If you want to come forward to the front, you can come forward and somebody will pray with you right now. Come on, let's just begin to gather around folks right now. Bass, you want to come join me up front, please? And some of our leaders. Come on, right now, just place your hand in the air. If you need prayer, there's, there's power right now. If you need physical healing, come on, you need transformation in your mind, in your heart right now. In the name of Jesus Christ. We declare, Father, supernatural, Father, signs and wonders in this place right now. We declare healing right now in the name of Jesus Christ right now. We declare that the name of Jesus will be lifted high over every disease, over every fear, over every trouble, over every hardship. Everyone watching online right now in our overflow room right now, we declare healing right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Transformation right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Right now, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I just, um, I don't normally do this, but I just feel like right now, I just keep hearing the word cancer. I just feel like the Lord wants to heal someone of cancer. Um, if you're in the room today, or maybe someone you know is struggling with cancer in their body right now, would you just put your hand in the air? I believe the supernatural power of God is in the room right now to heal. I, I can't see you. Is someone in the room okay? Come on, we see one. Anybody else? Come on. We just believe. I've, I've had accounts. probably told you this many times, but we've seen cancer healed. I remember one time I felt there was cancer in the room, and the young man, his first time to church, he had testicular cancer and found out the night before. We prayed for him, and God did a miracle in his life. There was a young woman. Uh, we saw, I saw a picture of a scan. And I said, you're going to be healed. And this woman came to me and said, I had terminal cancer, six months to live. And when I heard that, I took it back to my doctor and all the cancer was gone. We serve a God who can heal physical bodies. We serve a God who can restore lives. And so right now, in, in the name of Jesus, we declare 
Lord, we call cancer. We call it right now. We say, Jesus, you are Lord over cancer. Come on, church, right now. Just, if this is just you, you'd be praying right now. I encourage you to turn your hands towards our brother and sister and begin to intercede and pray on their behalf right now. Father, we the church gather together right now and believe that there will be a supernatural healing in the name of Jesus Christ that we will hear a report that our God is a God that heals. Jesus, we declare healing over cancer. We declare, Father, salvation would come through this to those around them. We pray that all the glory would go to God, go to you, Father. And we declare cancer in the name of Jesus would be gone right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, I just also hear the word depression. I've been feeling this strong in my heart recently, and I've been praying for you. These are things God's been speaking in my heart. You've been dealing with mental illness, depression. It's not just feeling like a blue day. It's feeling like you are feeling like um, pretty down, pretty dark. I know it's a, a, a bold thing to do in front of a bunch of people. Would you be willing just to put your hand in the air for a moment? I believe the Lord. He did it in my life. I've been in places in my life of deep mental illness, uh, depression. God has helped me. And I believe he can do the same thing in your life right now. Come on. The reason we do this is because the devil is the father of lies. And so what we do is we come to church. We don't just come to church just to, just to go to church. We come to church to celebrate the only God that can transform lives. Church, are you here today? We come to church not just to do a routine, but to celebrate the living God who can transform hearts and minds. The living God who can make lives new. That's why we're here. Come on, you're in the room today, and I know it's a big thing to ask in front of a bunch of people. But you've been dealing with mental illness in your life. Would you be bold enough to put your hand in the air? I believe there's a supernatural grace right now to help you. Come on. I see one hand. Anybody else here today? Come on, right in the back here. I don't want to embarrass you. That's not my intention. My intention is just to pray for you. Come on, just one more time. Just so we can see you. We want to pray for you today. I don't know if there's anyone in the overflow room, Anna, with their hands up, but if you'd be able to pray with them. And Moni. Holy Spirit, I say the same thing that Jesus said to the storm that the disciples were facing. Peace, be still. David said, soul, why are you so downcast? I will yet praise the Lord. And I declare right now to every soul that has taken charge of these people's lives, we declare a supernatural healing and breakthrough right now in the name of Jesus. I silence the voices of the evil one who would capitalize on their situation and cause them to look inward instead of upward. And we declare right now spiritual freedom that the storm would go and there'd be silence of the voices and they would hear the word of God that they are more than conquerors through Christ who gives them strength. The Lord, that they are a child of God and they're a son and daughter of God and that they are the head and not the tail. Lord, we declare freedom in their mind right now in the mighty and the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Come on, Holy Spirit, right now. Come on, just for a moment as we end our time together. I just want to say a prayer. Lord, I pray for every person that walked in the room today. Lord, we got a full house. Every seat's taken, Lord. The overflow room's full today. We declare, Lord, every person in this room that came to the house of God today would see transformation in their lives. Lord, we can't be in your presence without seeing change. Lord, we look at 
the marvelous face of God and it says that we are changed from glory to glory so Father I pray for every marriage every financial situation every person going through a hardship every person today facing Lord parenting challenges and financial challenges and relational challenges Lord facing addiction or addiction to pornography or addiction to drugs or alcohol or maybe Father facing something hard in their life we declare God that they will live an abundant life they were set free to be free he who the Son sets free is free indeed and where the Spirit of the Lord is there is liberty and so we declare today that we are a people of freedom and we are a people of God and we are the head and not the tail and that the enemy will not have his strategy over us today. And that we will leave this place light and full of God. And full of the power of the living one. We are called and we are conquerors, God. And we speak to the strategies of the devil. And we say no weapon formed against us will prosper. And we will leave today changed. Changed because we've been with God. Changed because we've been with you, Father. Lord, we love you. We love you, Lord. We love you. We love your presence. We love your grace. We love your mercy. Thank you, God, that we didn't come here perfect. We came here broken. And Lord, because of your perfection, you see us through the righteousness of Christ. And now we're forgiven. We're redeemed. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness over us, Lord. Yes, Lord. Come on, just for a minute, just with your lips, say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We're we're grateful that you met with us today. As we study your word, as we get into it today, God, I pray that your word would cut down to the depths, the divide between soul and spirit. And Lord, that you would transform hearts today. In Jesus' mighty name, come on, everybody said. Come on, before you sit down, give somebody a high five, an elbow bump. Come on, say, meet someone you haven't met before. I just felt the presence of the Lord was here today, man. God is in this place, and we're seeing new folks come. In the last week alone, we've had over 25 new people join our church. They've come on Wednesday night and Sunday. We have our friends from Olds today, hour and 15 minutes. Just woke up this morning and drove all the way from Olds. And I said to her, why would you drive all the way from Olds? And they said, because God is in that place. God's here. I felt the presence of God, and so... We just believe there's momentum, but not just momentum for, for, for me, and not just momentum for our church. We want to see momentum in your life. And really what I'm wanting to do is I'm wanting to get your spiritual momentum going in the right direction. How easy is it for us as we have momentum to not realize that momentum in our life has stopped? Momentum in our life, what happens with momentum is you begin to move forward, you begin to move in a forward direction in your life, and all of a sudden your momentum starts to move and it's actually impossible to stop. But without realizing it, momentum can quit and you find that your momentum begins to go backwards and now you're at a standstill and I find that there are so many churches and there are so many followers of Christ that are building your li- their lives around a standstill walk with God. Momentum that the early church discovered And we see what happened was, is that there was a move of God, 120 people who chose to follow after Christ. What they did was, is they gave, they gave their lives to Jesus. And when they gave their lives to Christ, there was a mighty move of the Holy Spirit. They gathered together uh, and 3,000 people got saved on that day. And it says that what Peter preached to that message was basically this. Hey guys, you have been waiting for the Messiah, but you murdered him. You killed God. 
And they didn't realize that they had killed God. They didn't realize that they had killed him. And so they were cut to the heart. And the Bible says that Peter said, they said, what do we do? We didn't know that we had killed God. What do we do? We didn't know that Jesus was the Messiah. Now we know. What do we do? And Jesus, or Peter said in this scripture, he said, you need to repent of your sins. Turn to God. Turn to him. Give your life to him. Be water baptized. And then you will receive the Holy Spirit which is for you and your children and your children's children. Amen. So what happened next is that Luke, the writer of the book of Acts, you know, Luke wasn't even a disciple. Luke wasn't even a follower of God at that time. He was a doctor. And what he did was he interviewed lots and lots of people to try to understand what happened when this explosion of the church happened. And Luke was now recording this reality. And in this scripture, he articulates a very, very important thing in the scripture. And this is what he says in this verse. Look what it says. I think you guys may have last week's slides in there. Thank you. So what it says is this. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And so there's a key word in the scripture. It says, all the believers devoted themselves. Let's look at the scripture here. Look what on the screen. All the believers devoted themselves. What Luke decided to write in the scripture, the very first documented understanding of what the church did, what the followers of Christ did, what the believers did to stir spiritual momentum in their life. The thing that they did, it says this. They, everyone say it with me, devoted themselves. Come on, one, two, three, devoted <laughs> I'm going to give you enough time, sorry. Let's try it again. One, two, three. Devoted themselves. Luke records the very thing that got the spiritual momentum moving in their life was devotion. This devotion, this word is an incredible word. This word means to fully immerse yourself in or fully embrace something and never stop or quit. It means to consistently and to constantly give your full attention to something. To keep on going and be faithfully committed to something no matter the cost. To addict yourself to something. The word literally means to make a habit of abandoning yourself almost obsessively to something. This word devotion, I want you to catch this, that it says very clearly, as I mentioned last week, all the believers devoted themselves. What is happening today? <laughs> we do not want to do this, guys. All the believers devoted themselves. How many? All. This means there are no options. This means there is a culture today that says, the things we're about to read, they don't apply to me. There's Christians and follower of Christ and people who go to church who say, you know, it's, it's, it's not really my thing to be in a group. It's not really my thing to hang out with Christians. They're kind of weird. It's not really my thing to pray. You know, I pray once in a while. It's not really my thing to, to study the Bible. It's not really my thing. You know, I just love God. You know, he's a good God and, you know, all the rest of it, whatever. I just love God. But we have to understand something here that this is telling us what it looks like to be a true devoted follower of Christ. All the believers. And you'll notice something. As I mentioned last week, it says in the scripture that they devoted themselves. It was a personal choice. It was a decision. It was a, a, an opportunity to start the momentum in their life was devotion. They made that choice themselves. And often we base our decisions on our emotions, on how things are going in life. Our devotion is based upon how good life is. 
Our devotion's based upon how good church was. Our devotion's based upon all sorts of things that are happening in our life. We're devoted when life is good, but when life is bad, our devotion wanes. And what the scripture is teaching here, that this is something you and I do consistently and constantly as we journey towards our relationship with God. The way to get spiritual momentum going in your life is to go back to your devotion. What is your devotion? What are you devoted to? Are you devoted to your job, which is good, but are you too devoted to your job? Are you devoted to your children, which is good, but maybe you're too devoted to your children. Is that possible? Yes, because they belong to the Lord. Devotion. And this powerful thing is that often we make decisions based upon our devotion. We make, rather our emotions, rather, we make these choices. And so what I'm wanting to do is I'm wanting to help you understand that this was the very first verse to describe what the early church looked like. This was the very first verse to describe what got the momentum going of miracles and signs and wonders and lavish generosity and communion and fellowship with one another. There was not a single need in the entire church and that people were together and in joy and generosity and blessing and favor. They had such blessing and favor upon their lives that people were so generous that they would sell properties and meet the needs in the church. I mean, that's crazy. They saw signs and wonders and there was supernatural awe over every person and they saw God move supernaturally and God added to the church. That's the church that I want to be a part of. That's the church that we are building is a church that represents this verse. So we have to look at our lives and say, okay, where's my momentum? Maybe I'm standing still. Maybe my momentum is going backwards and that's hard to stop. It all comes back to this one thing, your devotion. What are you devoted to? What have you given your life to? And I love Jesus. You know the best part about our Father is that the moment we recognize we've made it, we've slipped up or made a mistake, we say, Jesus, I'm sorry. And he says, okay. God, I'm, I'm really sorry. I got too focused on my job. I got too focused on my relationship. God, I got too focused on money. I got too focused on my future. I got too focused on this. I got too focused on that. I got, Lord, I just got too focused and not enough focus on the right things. The right things are going to stir in good spiritual momentum, God. So, Father, forgive me. He says, okay. Let's start over. Let's do it again. My mercies are as new as the rising of the sun. Come on. As far as the east is from the west, remove all your transgressions from you. So we get a fresh start. We're a new creation in Christ. Amen. And so what he says here is something very interesting. He says, uh, actually, they are right. I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Acts 2.42, look at this. He says, the first one he says, whoops. Whoops. Holy Spirit, Lord, we just pray right now for our technology, Lord. We just cast all demons out in the name of Jesus. Come on, Father. I'm trying to teach about the Bible and just, you know, it's just not going well. You guys okay? Okay, here we go. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, media team. All the believers devoted themselves to what? To the apostles' teaching. Now, remember, in those days, they didn't have the New Testament. They didn't have what we have on the right side of our Bible. In fact, most of what they read was literally the first five books of the Bible. And so, what they had in this moment when they were hearing the apostles' teaching, they would learn about Jesus from what the apostles would tell them. And so the only way for them to know about Jesus and his teachings was to gather around together and listen to the apostles tell their stories of what Jesus did. Look what it says in 1 John chapter 1. It says this, 
We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This is the one whose life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him and when now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy that we actually encountered Jesus. We walked with him. We talked with him. We touched him. We heard him. We felt his breath. We felt his touch. We, we were with him. We made jokes with him. We ate food with him. We had confrontation with him. We watched him. We were around him. We learned from him. We listened to him. We were transformed by him. And now what they would do is they would gather around and but turn by turn they would begin to share the stories of what Jesus did in their life and in the lives of those around him. They gathered around the apostles' teaching. And did you know that that's basically what the New Testament is? The New Testament is basically a first-hand account of what these men experienced with the living God, Jesus Christ. Matthew and Mark were writers of the two synoptic gospels, which means they were relatively the same story with different uh, uh, vantage points. These were first-hand accounts that were written only 17 years after Jesus' death. Matthew was a tax collector and was rejected, hated by the Jewish people because he was a greedy businessman who took advantage of his own people by collecting taxes. He was a man that everybody hated. And in fact, he knew everybody hated him. But when Jesus came to him with all of his greed and all of his mindset about making money, Jesus came and said, follow me. And his life was transformed. Mark was just a teenager, probably 15, 16 years old when he encountered Jesus for the first time. One of the main writers of the Gospels, this young teenager, had an encounter with the living God just like on Wednesday night when we had 25 young people here in the house. And we had worship and prayer and word, and it was powerful. One of those, we're going to be impacted, all of them, God willing, but one of those will see encounter with God just like Mark. He wrote down the things that he saw from Jesus and encountered on that day. Luke, who was a doctor, was not a follower of Jesus. He just wrote his book 23 years, look in the book of Acts. 23 years after the death of Jesus. He was a doctor. He was a Gentile. He didn't believe in God. He was somebody who wasn't of the Jewish faith. Luke was someone who wrote down, he interviewed people. He never met Jesus. And yet he had such an encounter hearing the interviewers talk about what Jesus did, that his life was transformed. And he talked about the explosion of the church. Paul was a religious man. He murdered people and murdered Christians. He hated God and hated the church. And on the same year that Jesus was died and crucified and rose on the third day, Paul had an encounter with God where he was knocked off of his prideful high horse, this religious man, and he met with Jesus face to face. And then from that point on, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And it was only 16 years after that moment that Paul wrote the very first letter to the church of Thessalonica. James was Jesus' half-brother. The very first book written in the New Testament, only 11 years after Jesus' death. He hated his brother, did not believe in his brother, and was far from his brother, and did not come to Jesus until after his resurrection. And then he became the church of the largest church that ever existed at that time. These were the men 
who were men who were far from God, men were broken, men were hurting, met with Jesus, their lives were transformed, and now they said, let me tell you about what Jesus did in my life. Let me tell you about what I saw with my eyes. Let me tell you about what I experienced. When I watched this young boy, he was coming out in a coffin, this seven-year-old boy, and his mom was weeping, and I, wa- I watched Jesus walk up to the coffin, place his hand on the coffin, and said, rise up, and a boy sat up in the middle of the coffin. Or the time when we were walking down the road and Jesus was upset about the fact that he had lost his, his best friend Lazarus and he walked down to the tomb and said, get up. And this dead man walked out of the grave. I saw it with my own eyes. Come closer and listen to what I'm about to tell you. These men were, men and women were subscribing and trusting and putting their faith in what these men were saying because they had had a first hand encounter with the living God. Why did they do this? Because this was their only way to understand who Jesus was. This was their only way to understand the teachings of Jesus. They Listen, they had no other way to understand who Jesus was, who he is, what he did, and what he taught. The only way was to gather together as a church to listen to the apostles teaching the study of scripture that they might know Jesus better. They had nothing else to rely on. Listen, There was no other way to understand truth. The apostles carried the very essence of truth outside of what they were teaching. The idea of Christ, there was no truth. So they were hungry for the truth. They were hungry for what was right. They were hungry for this reality. They were hungry for something bigger than themselves. They were hungry for something bigger than a philosopher and bigger than a a deity experienced before. They were hungry to hear about the only thing they'd ever heard that means truth. His name is Jesus. Truth. What does this mean to us? It means that we now have in the right side of our Bible, the very account, the very writings of men who were face to face with Jesus himself. What this represents is something that you and I often forget, that this represents the only truth on the planet. There is no other truth outside of this book. See, we have to understand something that's very important. That you and I have to understand that when we read the Bible, we are reading Jesus. Because the truth is a person and his name is Christ. Christianity is not just based on various teachings. Christianity is not just based on the life and the it's 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 based on the life and the character and the nature of one man, Jesus. Christ didn't come to teach Christianity. He is Christianity. The way for us to understand what it means to be a Christ follower, we must devote ourselves to this. Most religions are based on philosophical propositions or theological ideologies. If you remove Christ from Christianity, it ceases to exist. Remove Muhammad from Islam and it's still intact because it's based on teachings, not a person. Without Christ, Christianity is useless and the teachings from the Bible aren't true because of the theological concepts are superior to other religions or are better, but they are true because they come from truth itself, Jesus Christ. We learn this from John in John 17, 17. Look at this. 
John, uh, Jesus is praying for his disciples. He's praying for you and he's praying for me. Sanctify them by the truth. Look at this. Your word is truth. This word, word, is the Greek word logos. This word logos in scripture is actually the word in Greek means re the reason or it means word or speech or principle. This, this is where we get our, 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 our reasoning. It's where we get our speech. It's where we get our word. This word, word, logos is, is used to describe for us the written word of God, the logos word of God, the word of God that you and I hold in our hand. This is the logos and that means this is truth. Not only that, we recognize that, that, that truth is also Jesus. The Logos isn't just the written word. The Logos is Jesus. Look what it says in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word Logos. Already existed. The word Logos was with God. And the word Logos was God. He existed. Notice he puts a he existed in the beginning with God, God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word Logos gave life to everything that was created and his life brought life to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. We recognize that Jesus is this Logos. The written word is this Logos. Jesus is the Logos. When you read the word, you're reading Jesus. It's important you recognize something here today. That there is an issue we face in our churches and in our Christian lives. In today's day and age, it is easy to devote ourselves to a good speaker or a good preacher. I want to warn you. We are not building this church on Ryan Iverson Ministries. If you are subscribing to a man, you are already going the wrong direction. We are subscribing to one thing. His name is Jesus and his word. So I want to encourage you, go through your YouTube subscription. And if you go home after this just to listen to all your favorite preachers, check your heart. Not that we can't listen to other preachers, that's okay. But too much we allow another preacher to do our Bible reading for us. We allow someone else to read Jesus rather than us reading Jesus. When a preacher preaches the word, they're giving you, this is what I've read, now you need to go home and read it for yourself. As Pastor Dave Patterson, my pastor would say, feed yourself. You often go to inspirational self-talks, you know, it's positive. Or things that make me feel good. Or podcasts that, uh, you know, I know it's not have Bible in it, but it's just, they talk about Bible things, you know. Or, you know, I know that's not like scripture. I know it's not like talking about God, but, it, you know, it just really makes me feel good. Or maybe short videos on YouTube or TikTok on how to live a better life. You know, I, I just have someone else read the devotional for me. I, they read it, and then I just, that's good for me. Like, listen, maybe a good book with a positive message. But you need to know something, that our devotion is not to a positive message. Our devotion is not to a speaker. Our devotion is not to a good talk. Our devotion is not to TED Talks. Our devotion is not to feeling good. Our devotion is not to positive messages. Our devotion is to God's Word, the Bible. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a movement in society today, and I'm here to warn you. North America is now a post-Christian society. We do not live in a Christian world anymore. 
We don't live in a world that's founded on Christian reality. I'm from the United States, and if you talk to any American, they'll tell you, man, America is a, is a God-fearing country. Well, not anymore, nor is Canada. We do not live in an environment where you can expect people to have values and Christian morals. And so when we have politicians and people stand up that represent the name of God, but they don't found their life on truth themselves, we got a real problem, folks. We live in a society today, a Christianity today, where there is no ap absolute truth and even a rejection of God's complete truth. Do you know that a survey was just done for pastors across North America? 37%. 37%, I want you to hear me, of pastors, people who are leading people say there is no absolute truth. You know what an absolute truth is? There's a heaven and there's a hell. You know what an absolute truth is? Jesus Christ is God. Do you know what an absolute truth is? No matter how good you are, you will not go to heaven without a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. There is no way to the Father except through him. You know what an absolute truth is? That this word, every word, jot, T, and I, dotted, is truth. There are no mistakes in this word. There are no errors in this word. It is the Holy Spirit-inspired word of God. 39% say that there's no hell. Universalism. Many of our churches today are preaching that eventually everybody's going to go to heaven. That's not true. 39% say that we determine our own truth. 39% say that being good can earn your way into heaven. Man, if I'm just a good person, I just do good things, I just go to church and do my thing. No, no, no. A personal relationship with Jesus Christ and through reading Jesus is the only way. It's through His grace and grace alone. We, don't have, we can never read a, buy the Bible a day in our life, but Jesus Christ can still come and save us and, and find a way for us into heaven because it comes through Christ. There's a problem today in our society that we also have this mindset that, that, that the, the point of what, the journey we're on is that we're supposed to agree with this all. This is a big deal right now. And I want to just take a moment to lean into this. We often don't like the Bible's uh, d d interpretation on, on, on alternative lifestyles. Listen, the Bible is not wrong. We are. The Bible is very clear doesn't matter what society says. It doesn't matter what the generation says. It doesn't matter if it's 2022, bro. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if we're in 2050. It doesn't matter if, if, if it doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is that this is the only truth we have. If you try to find truth, truth in another book, or you try to find truth in another perspective, or you try to find truth, I'm having a hard time saying that, truth in, in, in somewhere else, you will be led astray. Let me warn you today, I'm here as a prophet to you today, saying, listen, we are in danger in our society to begin to believe that this scripture, some of it isn't right. There's a danger thinking that I have to agree with everything written in it. We don't like the Bible's take on the afterlife, so we reject it. We don't like the Bible's take on divorce, so we reject it. We don't like, now if you've been through a divorce today, I want you to know, God is so good in his faithfulness that if you've been through a divorce, you say, God will never love me. Of course he will. He loves you. People think, you know, I can't be in church if I've been divorced before or whatever. Well, we encourage you to work it out. That's our encouragement to everybody. Do your best. And uh, that's another topic. We'll talk about that another day. I'm not encouraging you to go get a divorce, but I'm saying if you're here today, I don't want you to feel shame for your divorce. I want you to remember, yeah, um, things happen in life.
But if you're here today, you can have a personal relationship with Christ. If any areas of your life there's been sin, any of your life there's been wrong, in any area, He forgives you, He redeems you, He sets you free, He sets your foot upon a rock. Are there consequences for every one of our areas of life choices? Of course. Of course there's consequences for areas of our life where we make poor choices or things don't work out. Of course, but does it change the love of God for our lives? No, it doesn't. It doesn't change it at all. We don't like the Bible's take on abortion. We don't like the Bible's take on relationships. We don't like the Bible's take on money or forgiveness or love. Or maybe we don't like the take, we don't like tongues or we don't like tithing. <laughs> Or we don't like things. I know I'm making you feel really uncomfortable today. We don't like here gender roles. We don't like the idea that Scripture teaches us that God put a man and a woman together and that each has their role and that a man's role is to lead the home but a woman's role is to serve the husband. But if you do it well, it'll happen in unity where you're both equals. Where he's not over you and you're not over him but it's unity, it's togetherness. See, the Bible is the only way you and I can understand how to live our life. It's the only way you can understand how to deal with mental illness. It's the only way you can understand how to deal with your relationship struggles and your financial struggles and the situations you're facing. And this is my fear. My fear is, is that we become Christians who reject the idea of this because it's too difficult. It takes too much time. It's too hard. I'm not here to shame you or condemn you today because trust me, I'm the first to say... I've really struggled with my Bible reading the last couple of weeks. <laughs> In fact, as I was coming here today, I said, Lord, I shouldn't be preaching this message because I've been off. I've been like barely a verse a day kind of guy recently. You say, oh my gosh, this is my pastor. No, I'm just a human. See, we have to understand something that when you and I begin to read Scripture, and we devote ourselves more to the Word. I'm just going to slap you around for a second. And I'm slapping myself. You devote yourself more to the Word than you do to Netflix. And more to the Word than you do to Disney Plus. And more to the Word than you do to fishing. Come on, somebody. You just devote yourself to, to the idea that you are reading Jesus. That when I read a verse in Matthew 5 or Matthew 7 or James, it doesn't really matter where. It's all Jesus. You see, I'm not getting anything out of it. Well, it doesn't mean it's not changing you. I don't really feel it. Well, it's not about you, your feelings. God's doing something. You just don't see it. Why? Because you're reading Jesus. And when you read Jesus, something begins to change in your life. Something begins to transform. For the word that God speaks is alive. You want to know why reading every other book, it's easy to read other books? Because those books are dead. When you read them, they don't have any real power over you. This book has power. Don't you think the devil wants you to read every other book there is? Don't you think the devil wants you to listen to every other podcast and every, oh, I like this thing? Of course he does. He wants to keep you from reading the only book that's alive and powerful and active and operating and energizing and effective. The only book of truth that will transform your mind and your heart and your marriage and your relationship, of course, the enemy of your soul wants you to love that Netflix series more than the Word. Come on now, let's be honest. 
Of course we love reading that book better. Of course we love Harry Potter better. Of course we love all the other books we read better. Of course they're more enjoyable. Why? Because the devil knows. Man, I just don't want them to read the lonely, life-giving thing that will transform their lives, the Word of God. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make it really easy, and all they're going to do is they're going to watch it from a distance on a video and say, I'm done, chick, chick. Instead of recognizing that right now I'm engaging in a personal relationship with Jesus. Jesus, what are you saying to me, Lord? Notice something about this scripture. It has power. Look what it says in scripture. The law of the Lord is perfect. It refreshes. This is that word. Restores and repairs the soul. That word soul is your emotions. Your mind, your will, your emotions. When you read the word of God, it restores and repairs your drama in your head. Your confusion, your fear, your anxiety, your depression, your doubt. The constant thinking in your mind of, oh, what's going on? What's going to happen tomorrow? Read the word and it begins to restore and repair your soul. What it says in the next verse, look at this. My soul is weary with sorrow. Literally that phrase means it drips and melts with heaviness. Strengthen me. That word means to build me up. Rise me up according to your word. Psalms 19.8, the precepts of the Lord are right. Look at this, I love this. Giving joy, how many like this? Giving happiness. Literally that word means a feeling. It's an emotional word. It means you will feel good. How many want to feel good? Half of you are like, I don't like feeling good. I ain't responding. gives joy, look at this, to the heart. That word there means, interesting, it means your memory. It gives joy to your memory. I don't know about you, but you've been in sin's prison for a little while like I had. Guess what haunted me all the time? My sin. It's joy to my, to my memory and my heart. And it, just, it helps me understand. Look what it says. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates to the dividing line of the breath of life between the soul and the immortal spirit and, and of the joints and of the marrow and of the deepest parts of our nature. Look, it exposes and it sifts and it analyzes and it judges the very thoughts and the very purposes of the heart. No wonder we don't want to read the Word. Because when I read the Word, it does something that no other book can do. It exposes me as the man that I am. But that's the point, because guess what? Then Jesus can come and make you the man He wants you to be. The whole point is that the devotion to the apostles' teaching wasn't just something they did. Oh yeah, I read my Bible. No, it was a deep analyzing, digging, pursuing Oh, God, I need your word. Make me hungry for your word, God. I want it so bad. Why? Because Jesus, I don't like the man that I am. I don't like the woman that I am. I don't like the attitude and the mindsets and the fear. I don't like it, God. I need your help. He says, read my word. Read me. Eat me. Devour me. Read my word and you will see transformation in your life. You'll be refreshed. You'll be restored. You'll have fresh joy. It cuts down to the depths of your heart and exposes what's God and what's you. And it helps you make the choices for your life that you can do everything God's called you to do. This isn't about a checklist. This isn't about religion. This isn't about ritual. I need you to get that law thinking out of your head. This is about a personal 
relationship with the only truth you will ever have. If I spend time away from truth, what will happen to my thinking? I'll allow things that are not truthful. Many of us here today have allowed narratives in our mind, thinking, ways of thinking about life, ways about thinking about ourselves, ways about thinking about our future. A lot of us have allowed um, perspectives about God. You've listened to a preacher teach on something that makes sense. Makes sense? I guess there is no hell. Oh, whatever. And then you slip very quickly into a way of thinking and the enemy's like, got him. This is about a personal relationship with Jesus. Do you find it interesting the very first thing that Luke said was they devoted themselves to the teachings of Jesus? Now, I believe today, I'm going to pray for you. I want you to stand to your feet. And I'm going to pray for you today. And I believe there's a, I believe the Lord has asked me to pray this for you. And this is my prayer for our church. For visiting today. Good to meet you. I'm Ryan. I love you. <laughs> Thanks for coming to church today. Church, I don't want to be the church that just pretends like we're devoted to God's word. I want to be a church who's hungry for the word of God. So I'm going to pray a prayer that's a very dangerous prayer over you. And what the prayer is, is that, Lord, help make us hungry. Now, has anyone ever been hungry? I know a lot of us are fasting right now during our 20 days of fasting. And now it is when you start to fast and then you go out to lunch with someone and they order that nachos with the extra meat and all that stuff. And you're just like, you're like, oh, this is painful. I was at a wedding last night and it was chaotic. Lots of food. And I just thought, oh, Jesus. When you're hungry for something, there's a difference between being like, I just need to eat my next meal and a deep, like, I have to have food. That's the prayer I'm going to pray over you. And it's going to drive you crazy. And here's why. Because you're going to try to fill that hunger with something else. Moms are going to try to fill it with your kids. Dads are going to try to fill it with work. It'll be money, it'll be boats, it'll be this, it'll be that, it'll be stock market, whatever it might be. But you'll try to fill that hunger everywhere else and there's only one place you can fill that hunger and his name is Jesus. So I'm going to pray this prayer and if you want it, I believe God's going to do it in our church right now. And I want you to just put your hands out in front of you right now and I'm going to pray a prayer for the hunger for God's word. And be careful now because it's going to change you. Holy Spirit, I ask right now, Lord, for a deep, deep hunger and thirst for your word. Lord, such a hunger that it drives us with obsession to study your word, to know you better because in your word is life change. I speak to every strategy of the evil one that has deterred us, Lord, and also our own just lack of self-control and our own lack of discipline. I speak to that right now and I say, Father, let this be a season of depth in the Word of God. Let us be devoted, obsessively devoted to your Word. Holy Spirit, I pray that when they get hungry, Lord, they wouldn't run to other things. They would run directly to your Word. Directly to your Word. Directly to your Word. And they would find life change. I declare life change. I declare transformation. I declare refreshing of their soul. I refresh, Lord, a restoration in the name of Jesus Christ over every person in the room today. And let it be so today, God. You minister to us through your word, Lord. 
and put a deep hunger in us. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We're going to sing one more song. If you're in the room and you want to give your life to Christ, we're going to put a slide up right now. It's just a little QR code or a text message thing. Just text that. We'd love to get to know you, tell you about Jesus, get you going on the right path, and get you a Bible. Love you guys. Let's worship together. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.